Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hello, friends. Welcome to my basement. I'm Kyle Brandt. You already know that. You clicked, you're viewing, you're listening, and I'm just loving you. We have all kinds of things to talk about today. Who's more likely to make the playoffs this year? Who do you got? Packers or Patriots? Who's more likely to get in? We'll get into that in a minute. And um, Zach Wilson. Do you hate him? <laughs> do, you, do you support him? Do you care? Zach Wilson drawing a lot of attention right now because the Jets are on Thursday night and they're fighting for their playoff lives. And the hero, Mike White, is all banged up, so it might be the Zach Wilson show. And Robert Sala is saying, ah, an unfair criticism. He's comparing into this industry to instant coffee, which is funny. Love Sala. We'll talk about that as well. And uh, there's allegedly a Chiefs fan running around robbing banks to pay for Chiefs tickets. Have you seen the story? I'm going to say allegedly 70,000 times when I talk about it because it is this internet cultish-like story that is very bizarre but very entertaining and seems like a movie. The Chiefs fan who's allegedly robbing banks, all kinds of stuff. Plus, we're going to do Bite Fight. We have three bites, sound bites, all about the ending of Patriots Raiders, which is still the greatest thing I've seen in this year or maybe this decade. That's the show. That's what we do. We do it, and we talk about what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. Come on, baby! So do you have anybody in your life, do you have a friend or a coworker or a relative or anything who, damn it, you, you just can't give up on? You got too many years, too many good years, too much equity, too much time, too many memories, too much trust in that relationship, even if they're just coming off the rails and they're coming apart and they, they are going broke and they've lost their job and their families left them and it's just not going well at all and they treat you like crap and they don't respect you and they show up and they embarrass themselves every time you see them but you just can't quit them. That's the Packers for me. The Packers won last night. The Packers beat the zombie Rams at Lambeau and they were fine. The Packers, not great. I wouldn't even say good, not terrible. They got the dub. They won a football game against a very strange team and by far the worst defending Super Bowl champ in history. But they got the dub and they were live. And that's the best you can say about them. The Packers uh, are six and eight. They played 14 games and only won six of them. Can they make the playoffs? I feel like they can. I wanna believe guys, I can't quit this person. We had this huge, massive fight, and I'm like, oh, I don't even recognize you anymore, and you, none of those things that it made me enjoy you as a friend and as a confidant and as a partner through all these years. I don't recognize any of them in you anymore. And yet, you know, I get that Christmas card, and it shows up, and I open it, I'm like, oh, they sent one. I love it. I just can't. I have too many years of experience of, of really just Rogers, pretty much, to, to not believe that he can do it. Here's the deal. You've seen it. You've heard it. Where do you come out? They are six and eight. They have to play the Dolphins, the Vikings, and the Lions. Do you think they can win two out of three of those games? Do you think they can win all three? I don't really see anything on the field that makes me think they can beat the Dolphins. Dolphins look really good. Packers, just nothing. Even when they win, it's like, yeah, they run sort of well sometimes. And Rodgers just, he threw a weird interception. Not even a bad interception, a weird one over the head of Alan Lazard where he and the one guy you would think they would be on the same page after years of repetition just weren't. And they always just look kind of flat, even when they're scoring and have some juice. And yet, I still think they can. 
they're in this position now where two of these standards in each conference, the Packers and the Patriots, are sitting there on the ropes. And they're sitting between rounds with their, their elbows up here. And, and their cut man is working on them. And they're just beat to crap. And their face looks like uh, sloppy Joe. And they're spitting in the bucket. And they're seeing three of them out there. Who, do you, who would you bet on to get in the playoffs more? I mean, I, it, it's by far the Packers for me. We're trying to have this conversation this morning with Jason McCourty, who his brother is currently on the Patriots, his twin brother, about are, is this uh, the Patriots, is that all she wrote? They're, they lose the most ridiculous, hysterical, laugh-out-loud ending that I've ever seen. Their next three games are all brutal. It's Miami, it's Buffalo, it's Cincinnati. Are they done? I can't see them making the playoffs. Again, Packers, Dolphins. Let's just say, just, just feel me out. The Dolphins keep losing, too. They're on a tough streak right now. now. They look good, and they have the optics, and McDaniel, and the receivers, and all that, but they can't win a game right now, either. Let's say the Packers beat them. They go down there, and Rodgers says, damn it, this is for my life. This is my career. I'm doing this thing. I'm not letting us go down. And they somehow, some bleeping way, 24-23 Packers on a last-second Mason Crosby field goal, and they go nuts, and they're alive, and they're 7-8. Then they got the weird Vikings, and they got the Lions. That last game of the season, they're there, and it's at Lambeau, and the Lions are going to be fighting for their lives. As much as I love the Lions, do you not still believe in Rodgers? Am I ignorant? Am I, am, I, am I trusting in some sort of bizarre religious figure in my, my views of Rodgers, and I'm, not, I'm totally ignoring what's on the field and what they've done for the last four months? Yes, I am. But it's the last four months get trumped by the last 17 years, and I can't stop believing. Like, like Steve Perry, I just can't do it. Don't do it. Um, I knew they were going to win the game last night. I knew they were going to beat the Bears. They're in the bye. And Rodgers afterward was asked. So, a um, couple wins in a row. Nice bye week. Rest it up. Do you think that you can do it? Can you win the rest of these games? Go ahead. I do. Yeah, I do. I do. Now we're going to play three uh, better football teams. But uh, I do. Definitely. Before the Bears week, we knew we had a bye afterwards, and, and those of us who sometimes peek ahead knew that we had to win five and then have a lot of things go our way. So we won two, and just about everything we've needed to happen has gone our way. Just about, right? So things are looking up. They are looking up. Not that far up, though. Again, they're six and eight. Lions, seven and seven. Lions on the outside, too. Um, and if you look here, and pull up the old playoff standings. That's all we do this time of year. Who's in, who's out, who's in the hunt. All right. So, Giants, it's in the sixth. Commanders in the seventh. And then the teams that are trying to get in, this, this little club. The Packers are in a club with the Seahawks, who seem to be falling apart. The Lions, who are just surging. And then never mind anybody else. I don't, I don't really acknowledge the Panthers and the Saints right now. They don't concern the wild card in any way. So Packers versus Seahawks, Lions. And that's basically it. The commanders have to fall out. Somebody's got to do it. Do you think they can do it? I kind of do. Do you want them to do it? I always come out like this. As much as I love fresh blood, and I would love to see the Lions in the playoffs. I would like to see the commanders in the playoffs. I like the stalwarts. I like the main characters in this movie franchise that we watch called the NFL with installment after installment every single year. I like the same characters to keep it keep it grounded in something relatable. Every James Bond movie that comes out, there's still a Q, and there's still an M, and there's still a Money Penny. The Bonds change, the villains change, all that stuff. I need my Q and my Money Penny and my M. The Packers are in. I need the Packers in. 
In the NFC, there's not a lot of that these days, all right? I, I, typically, you know, you got the Packers and then sort of hit and miss on the 49ers and the NFC East is anybody's guess. The Packers got to be in. I need the Packers in. And the AFC got to have the Chiefs in, a few other teams, but the Packers have to be in. I want them in because, listen, even if you hate the Packers, even if you hate Aaron Rodgers, don't you get a lot of joy out of Packers losing week that happens every single January. It's always this big thing. Oh my God, Rogers lost and he lost in the cold and he lost in the heat and wherever he lost in the East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, doesn't matter. It's part of it's part of the NFL calendar, guys. Can you not just give me that? You got the schedule release day, you got kickoff Sunday, you got Super Bowl Sunday, you got the draft, you got the combine, and you got the Rogers loses in the playoffs day. That's part of the schedule. It has been for over a decade. We can't have that if they don't get in. For my own reasons, aside from that, I like watching the guy play. I don't want him to retire. And he might. I want the Packers in. And I can't stop believing, despite everything my eyes are telling me, that they will be. And you know what? I don't apologize for it. In fact, I love it. Let's get to what I hate, though. This is fun. All right. I, uh... I hate the uh, the mess that has become the uh, Zach Wilson affair. You know what I hate right now? I hate my bleeping hairstyle. I hate it so much, and it's still growing out from Howie Long haircut that I got from Halloween, and that was two months ago, and it's still in this crazy uh, puberty phase of in-between, and just the worst. So avert your eyes and look at the Ultimate Warrior mural while I talk, because I can't stand it. My wife not a big fan of it either. I don't blame her. Um, I hate what's become of the Zach Wilson thing with the Jets. This is supposed to be a special season for the Jets and the coronation of Robert Sala. And whether they make the damn playoffs or not, no one expected them to be even relevant this time of year. And they are. And yet right now it's just knives out for Zach Wilson. Um, they play Thursday night, all right? They play Thursday night, so they're all over the place. And he's getting a lot of criticism, Zach Wilson, as he always does. And his head coach spoke yesterday about that criticism, and here is Zach, uh, Robert Sala about Zach Wilson. The frustrating thing is that, you know, the, this kid's going to be a good quarterback. Um, the, the NFL and this, this new instant coffee world that we're in just does not want to give people time. And, uh, and so we look at him, and he is just nitpicked with, the, uh, and just with a fine-tooth comb, everything that he does. And, uh, and it's, it's rightfully so. I mean, it is what it is, but... Uh, um, you know, he did a lot of really good things. And, and so we're going to try our best to focus on the things that he did good and uh, make sure that we, we, we kind of bring that to life and, and we'll continue to work on the things that he needs to improve on. That's a guy who's all over the place. And I respect where Salah's coming from, but that soundbite is just all over the place. He's trying to speak up for his guy. He's trying to be a leader. He's trying to have his back, but he comes out and chides the criticism he gets for being the instant coffee world that we live in. And then he says, oh, look, rightfully so, rightfully so, the criticism he takes. But I, I, I hear you. It's, I, I think that he's trying to be a coach and a leader and a spokesman while at the same time trying not to be so combative with the media. But right now, you, you cannot, you just can't float a unfair criticism thing of Zach Wilson. It's not instant coffee. This is towards the end of his second season. You're number two overall pick in the draft. You've started 21 games. Other people in your draft class are starting to figure out and starting to play really well and starting to be relevant. You want to play the game right now with that draft class? If you put Trevor Lawrence on the Jets, they're good. I mean, they're really good. If you put Justin Fields on the Jets, they're putting on a show. 
Zach Wilson, it's just, it's not really coming together. You can even pull up the stats. Take my opinion out of it. Take Salah's opinion out of it. Pull up the stats after 21 starts. Zach Wilson, Josh Allen, Tua Tagovailoa, 21 start mark in their careers. Allen and Tua significantly better and more productive. Significantly. And that's the, those are the guys. Those are the guys, if you're a Jets fan or someone in the Jets front office, and you're saying, well, those two maniacs aren't going anywhere. We're going to have to deal with Josh Allen and Tua Tagovailoa for the next 10 years. Certainly Allen. If we can't beat Josh Allen, I got to pull my kids out of school. And we're going to have to move. I'm going to get fired. That's the way it works here. So if I'm thinking about this future of this Jets team, and if I'm the coach, if I'm the GM, if I'm the equipment manager, and I want to keep my job, we have to beat the Bills at least once a year for years to come. We have to beat Mike McDaniel and Tua and Tyreek and Jalen and all the Dolphins. Who, who's our guy? Who's representing us as a team and my family? Zach Wilson? Is that it? I don't think so. Not yet. And I'm sorry, you know, this is not the time right now where you sit there for three or four years and you just slowly marinate and then, you know, I think we're ready to put him in now. It's not the way it works anymore. Salah knows that. Salah knows that better than anybody. You, you get in there quickly, very quickly. And the problem is you get in there and the other guy goes behind you and, he's, and plays better than you and his name's Mike White and he's not the number two overall draft pick. It makes you look even worse. Two things that are going on. My own personal opinion. Let's get out of just the general discourse of this conversation. Let's, let's venture into the highly opinionated, maybe slightly inappropriate uh, analysis of what's going on with Zach Wilson. Two things. One, if you could take back that damn soundbite after the loss about he doesn't, doesn't take any accountability and doesn't try to say he feel bad for the defense, that's terrible. Man, did that crush him. Crushed him. Loses a game, plays terribly. Do you feel like you let the defense down? Nope. That's this kind of soundbite that just, boom, blows up, doesn't go away. Social media, New York, you name it, just a massive thing. The other thing, and I, also, I genuinely believe this works against Zach Wilson in the court of public opinion and the criticism he takes. My God, he has a punchable face. He really does. That is a tough, tough face. Dimpled, blue eyes, rosy cheeks, looks like a cabbage patch kid. And I say that as someone who has a punchable face myself. I consider him a brother. Believe me, I know one when I see one. It's... It's a tough look, I'm telling you. If you are that cute and baby-like and tiger beat, it looks like he was in Growing Pains or a Corey Feldman movie, it just has that look for the older media people. Especially in New York. I live in the New York market. It's so cynical and so harsh and so severe. That's not an identifiable guy. Certainly when he, when he talks in the press conference afterwards about I don't take any accountability, you see that face. And you see those cheeks and those teeth and you're just like, oh my God, I don't, I don't recognize this guy. I don't identify with this guy. It's hard to root for this guy. Then you bring in Mike White. Mike White. Sounds like his name was made up in a factory. He's got this normal face, great guy. He's got his wife at home. Self-deprecating is great. You know what they should do? They should, if, if, if the Jets wanted to solve this, solve the optics of this, Robert Sala would say, uh, Mike and Zach, you ever seen the film Face Off? And they'd be like, no, what the hell's that? Oh, it's John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. And they'd be like, who the hell are they? Too young. Well, they have a surgery where they swap faces. If we could put Mike White's face on Zach Wilson's body, it would help a lot. I'm just telling you. I know Zach Wilson's play is the lion's share of this and Zach Wilson's attitude and everything. There, there is a certain portion of it in the optics, in the newspaper back pages, on Twitter, where you're just like, Zach Wilson looks like a Cabbage Patch Kid. Uh, the mom thing is weird. The mom's friend thing is weird. He's all over the newspapers with like uh, these. Who's his girlfriend? Who's not his girlfriend? 
if he was just a guy who just showed up, said the right thing, worked hard, normal looking, normal acting, normal background, normal everything, and wasn't playing as well, go down a little sweeter in New York. It would be a lot easier. You just look at that face, and then you see that soundbite, and then you see the tape of him doing God knows what, and throwing interceptions, missing guys, misreading guys. It makes it so much worse. I want the face-off treatment to he and Mike White. Sorry, Mike White. Well, I don't know if this is sorry or, or you're welcome because we're giving you this adorable face we're going to put on your body, but it's going to kind of mess with your image. Weird solution, but that's mine at this point. The better solution would be Zach Wilson says, enough of this. I'm going to show you how tough I am and how focused I am, and I'm going to make some big, big throws in this Thursday night or I'm going to win it, and I'm going to take this Jets team to the playoffs because then we're out of here. Then we're out of here. I don't buy at all that the Jets have not helped Zach Wilson, that they need to give him more help. Are you crazy? They have an awesome defense. They have very young, talented receivers. Wilson looks like a star. I'm not talking about Zach Wilson. I'm talking about Garrett. They've done what they they can with the offensive line. They've brought running backs in. They've done everything. It's time for him to do anything. I'm sitting here talking about his face. That's what it's come to. His face bothers people. I talk to Jets fans all the time. I'm in text chains with some. They just continually send pictures of close-ups of his face. And they're saying, this is the face of our team? You know, Mark Sanchez ran into that too. Mark Sanchez does the does the fashion ads and he was wearing the, the painted on white jeans and the high fashion leather jacket, whatever. And he took a lot of heat for it. Somehow he was making some big throws in some playoff games though, doing enough as a young player to get to two title games with that defense. Zach Wilson has not done that yet. It's tough, tough, tough times. I, I, I feel like this should be a time of celebration for the New York Jets, but it's a time of fury and desperation and identity crisis because they're saying, oh my God, look, we have this team finally. It looks like we have some really important parts, except for the most important part. We don't know what the hell to do with it because we drafted this guy second overall and he just won't be the player that we want him to be and maybe he won't even be the teammate that we want him to be. How can we possibly toss the keys to Mike White indefinitely? What are we supposed to do here? It's a shame. It would all go away if Zach Wilson would just play well. Look however you want. Ignore whatever tweets and blogs and commentary. Just ignore it because you're Zach Wilson and you're the quarterback of the New York Jets and they haven't had a winner since the 60s and you're the guy who's going to put an end to that. That's all you have to do, but he can't do it. So all that stuff just festers. It's tough. I actually hate it. The Jets would be a very cool story, and it's just a pile of mush right now, and it's so frustrating, and I got a feeling they're going to lose Thursday night, too. I hate it! We'll talk about it in the next couple of days. In the meantime, let's get to what's hilarious. This is a weird one. <sighs> All right, I got to take a deep breath for this one. Are you familiar with Chiefsaholic? Chiefsaholic. What is that? So a lot of times you'll see there becomes famous fans, uh, and I don't mean like, you know, Chris Pratt shows up at a Rams game or Paul Rudd goes to the Chiefs game. I mean, there are fans who dress up and they go to every game for years and have a shtick or a costume or an angle and they become famous for that. Like in the Saints, for the Saints, they got the guy who's got the giant whistle head. In the, the Broncos used to have a guy named Barrel Man who would show up with a barrel and suspenders. There's tons of them. There's a, a, I think there's a, um, a gorilla in the Raiders, and there's, there's a lot of them. Well, there's one called Chiefsaholic, and he is one of these Chiefs fans who becomes famous online and on game day for being the guy who wears the same outfit. His outfit is a, like a, the big bad wolf. There he is right there. He's got the Chiefs tank top on. He's got the wolf costume, the hat, 
and a GoPro strapped to the hat to capture the entire Chiefs, the entire Chiefs aholic experience. Well, if you believe the internet, you would think that Chiefs aholic would not want to be around cameras whenever possible because he's allegedly robbing banks. Now, this is a, a movie concept. This Chiefs fan goes to all the Chiefs home and away games, Chiefaholic, and he wears the wolf costume. That is his thing, that is his, his reason for living, and that's what makes him internet famous. So fans got concerned, and the chatter started when he was not at the game in Houston this past weekend, Chiefs at Texans. And um, he wasn't there, and his social media had gone silent, and the whole win happens, the game happens, the Chiefs almost lose, they come back and win in overtime, and Chiefsaholic doesn't tweet anything, doesn't show up. And you're like, Chief Saholic, are you all right? Did something happen to him? You know, did he get sick? Is he dead? Like, was he lying in a ditch somewhere? Well, turns out, allegedly, according to the internet, and there's a lot of sleuthing that's going into this right now, Chief Saholic was arrested for armed robbery of a bank in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Friday morning. Now, if you start to get out your, your Maps app, you will see that in between Kansas City, Missouri, and Houston, Texas, is Tulsa, okay? So if you're going from KC to Houston for the Chiefs game, Tulsa might be a place that you stop over, and you get some beef jerky, or you gas up, or you rob a bank to fund your Chiefs fan lifestyle, allegedly. Now, you start to find out who this person is allegedly online. You start to find out that there's been several arrests over the last decade for everything from misdemeanor thefts to different types of robberies. And then you find out it gets really weird that he allegedly filed a lawsuit earlier this year against Robert Kraft's organization because he fell in the Gillette Stadium parking lot in 2019. I don't know if it's legit, with the full slip and Jimmy thing, but apparently he went to Chiefs Patriots, fell in the parking lot, and tried to sue Mr. Kraft. That's good work if you can get it. So this Chiefsaholic personality tweeted last month, he was asked, someone's like, hey, Chiefsaholic, living the bright and glamorous life of a guy in a wolf costume who goes to Chiefs games. How can you afford to go to all these games, man? These tickets are expensive. And he tweets, this Chiefsaholic account tweets, hey, I make a good living, plus I hustle in private. House money I'm paying with, to be honest. <laughs> Chiefs of just feeling it. And I like that he's tweeting back at someone whose handle is tweet tweet MFR. <laughs> so Chiefs of says, listen, I put a lot of work in. I hustle and I make a good living. House money. So it shakes out that um, maybe that hustle in private is actually saying, put the money in the bag. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, he also, if you follow him, this is the internet sleuthing that's going on, places large wagers on Chiefs games, likes to bet big on them. There's also a picture circulating on social media that is a gentleman or a woman, I'm not sure, in a wolf mask robbing a bank. A security camera photo at the counter saying, put the money in the bag. And they're like, oh, it's Chiefs Aholic. Apparently that's unrelated. We have multiple potential bank robbers wearing chiefs gear and or wolf hats that people are saying i don't know how many people would do it um but that's a, there's a lot of names going around i guess so 
Where we're at with this, the bottom line is there's a rapidly developing internet story that there might be a super fan of the Chiefs who is traveling to their games and funding his travels and his lifestyle by robbing banks on the way to games. So he's allegedly leaving Kansas City. You pack up and you say, all right, so we should be able to make pretty good time. Here's the amount of gas we're going to need. Here's the time we should arrive. I got some food. Uh, I got our directions here in the nav. Oh, yeah, I got to pull over in Tulsa, and I found the uh, savings and loan uh, trust bank, and we're just going to stick that place up, figure I can take it down for maybe, uh, I don't know, 12 grand in petty cash, and I'll get out the door. This is incredible. If it's real. It's a strange, I feel like it's like a, the bank robbery version of a catfishing, where it's like everybody's talking about it, and entities like pardon my take and mcafee they're like marveling at it and now here too because if this is real or if there's another situation where it might be real down the road with a different person can you imagine the lifestyle here this is kind of a cool movie don't don't tell me listen you shouldn't commit crimes or hurt anybody all that but like i think we as people have kind of this fascination or maybe even a tight small psychological soft spot for bank robbers because they've been glorified in all the movies we've watched every year tell me when you don't see when you see something like the town with ben affleck or point break or any of these movies don't you just wonder like man i wonder if i could do it i wonder if they could get away with it or when you go into a bank, you barely do it anymore. I barely do it anymore. You do it all online or you do a drive-thru ATM or something like that, but occasionally you have to go in. You have to get a cashier's check or you just have to speak with or set up a new account or something. Two things you th I always think every time I go into a bank, which at this point is like maybe, maybe three times a year, I walk in and I say, first of all, is this place going to be robbed while I'm in here? What am I going to do besides wet myself? I'm just getting on the floor. I'm getting down just getting my phone out, pushing it away from me, and just covering my eyes so I don't see it. That's not how I'm gonna go down. If I'm a coward, I don't care. I'm not going down on a bank robbery. I always think if I'm gonna be robbed. I, and then, then you start to say, I wonder if I could rob this place. Just in my craziest childlike imagination, how hard would it be to really get away with it? And then you start saying, oh man, there's a lot of cameras here. I've already been photographed like six different times. There's plexiglass. Maybe they have the security guard. Maybe they don't. If the security guard is there, is he armed? Um, man, what would I do? I'd have to wear a mask. What mask would I wear? I, I don't know. It'd kind of be cool maybe to wear the, the mask from Scream, but that might be hard to see out of. I would wear a He-Man mask. Where am I going to get a He-Man mask? I, that's what I think about when I'm waiting in line. Got to wear gloves and get my fingerprints, all this type of stuff. And this guy's actually doing it, if, allegedly. If you think this is guy is actually happening, isn't it fascinating? Wouldn't you like to know what's going through his mind when he's sitting in the parking lot ready to go in? What, what phrase does he use? Does he hand the teller a note? Does he just say, give me all the money? Does he use a weapon? Because, you know, if you watch enough movies, you don't even need a weapon sometimes. And then they want to give you the money to get you out of there. Is there a, a dye pack? <laughs> Is there, I've always been told that there's a dye pack on the cash that when you open the baggage, it's like a paint bomb and blows up and gets all over you, gets all over the money to make it unusable. Is there a tracker in there? All kinds of questions. I don't know if this guy did anything, but the internet says that a guy that might be him might have robbed a bank to pay for Chiefs tickets. Also, do you really need, do you need to go to the Chiefs-Texans game? I understand it turned out to be a really close game and they almost lost and everything. Can't you just not rob the bank for Patrick Mahomes versus Davis Mills? Is that really one that you need to commit a felony for? Listen, it's not like the home game against the Bills. 
This is not the title game. This is not the division. Not even the wild card. When you look through the schedule that comes out and you got your wolf hand on and you scan down, you're like, all right, I'm going to have to rob a bank for this one for sure. The Raiders look a lot better this year. Oh, Russell Wilson, definitely robbing a bank to go to Denver. Eh, Houston, skip that one. I, 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 you know, I don't, I may get shot. I may get arrested. I may hurt someone. We're all just like, I'm going to be in this moral conundrum that I shouldn't be committing felonies to go to football games. I'll just skip the Houston. I'll sleep better that. And I'll skip the Houston game. Mm-mm. Not allegedly someone who might be him. He's, I go to wall. I don't care what it is. I'm robbing banks for preseason games. I'm robbing banks for, for inner squad uh, scrimmages, for joint practices. And to the other idea of maybe you just get a, a job and maybe you live very modestly so you can still afford the Chiefs tickets. Nope. I got to bet big too. If I go, if I just pay for my own tickets, I can't lay down sweet action on parlays. No, no, no. Got to do that too. That's some life. This guy, if you're someone who dresses up as a wolf for every Chiefs game, you already have a whole set of things going on psychologically and in your personality and in your upbringing. That's a, that's plenty. Your plate is full. You're like, I'm the wolf guy who goes to every Chiefs game. All right, man, that's a lot. I'm also allegedly a bank robber. <laughs> wow, that's so much. That's too much. Bank robbers just be this quiet life who doesn't do anything else, just rob banks and just does whatever he wants. Wolf mascot guy, I go to football games dressed as an animal. You can't, what is the, the, the Venn diagram of people who rob banks and also dress up as animals at pro football games? It's one it's one. I know some of these people. I've met them. They, they're friendly. They take pictures with you. I don't know if they're going back to the Bank of America and knocking it off. I don't know. What a story. Track this one. Uh, I would love to, to, to know more about the alleged guy if it really happened. There's a long rap sheet that goes into it. But man, how about this guy? Chief Aholic, allegedly. I, I told you I was going to say it 15 times because I don't trust the damn internet and I'm not going down. I'm legally clear. I'm not robbing banks and I'm not saying wolf men go to Chiefs games robbing banks if they don't. I just heard on the internet it's all alleged, but it is hilarious. You know what else is hilarious? Something that we call fight fight. Come on now. Mayhem can happen on and off the field. Get protected from it this season when you switch and save with Allstate. As chaotic as college football can be, our daily lives can be just as intense. Between home repairs, running errands, and driving to pick up the kids, there are as many changes to our routine as there are in the standings. And since mayhem can happen at any time, shouldn't you be protecting yourself with Allstate? Listen, we all know how expensive mayhem can be. But drivers that switch to Allstate saved big. With Allstate, you get the right defense for the right price. College football is mayhem, so protect yourself with Allstate. Visit Allstate.com or contact your local Allstate agent today to find out how much you can save. You're in good hands with Allstate. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Um, So, bite fight. Says it right there. We have three different uh, sound bites from across the world, across the National Football League. They get in the ring together, we ring the bell, and we decide who has the biggest punching power and who is the winner of Bite Fight. Before uh, the, um, we're gonna we're gonna play three sound bites, like I said. I'm trying to follow my script here. All right. Before the play everyone is talking about, which was the Raiders uh, Patriots thing, um, 
the end of the Chandler Jones, Mac Jones thing. Remember there was that highly, wildly controversial Raiders touchdown. Uh, Keelan Cole makes the catch from Derek Carr, and it certainly looked like his foot was on the line and out of bounds, but the angle was so terrible and so blurry, and I don't know why that was the only one they had to work with. So they said, well, we're not totally sure, so touchdown. If they call him out of bounds there, the, the Chandler Jones moment doesn't happen or matter. But nevertheless, Keelan Cole, um, he had a take on the play itself. Let's get Keelan Cole in here, our first entrance into Bite Fight, a young, very, uh, very likable, if you ask me, Raiders receiver. Go ahead, Keelan. Review is pretty long. Obviously, talk about you Man. know are you going through all, all honestly, the scenarios. Honestly, head. honestly, if we've been all the way honest, when I caught the ball, it felt good. But I don't know because I didn't. Do, but I did know it was close. So first thing I came over to the sideline, I was asking everybody. Everybody was like, "Good catch." I said, "Did I get my foot in?" And then it was a review. Come on, y'all. Oh, no. Yeah, let's do, let's do like two more guys. <laughs> who, who told you? Was it was it the referee? No, you don't get the question. Come on, oh, y'all. Come on, man. Who told you it was it? How would you do that? <laughs> uh, the referee. <laughs> I like that guy a lot. I hope he becomes famous. I, I, I hope he signs uh, pictures of him making that alleged catch for the rest of time. And like he says, says, no, come on, man, you don't get the question. Who told me he was in? The referee. Um, also that he says if he was being all the way honest, he's not so sure about it. That was great. That's, that's the forgotten play in all of this because we're going to see Chandler Jones catching that lateral until we're dead. That's, that's immortal. Immortal. It is... We're, we're, we're a few days out now, and I still can't believe that that lateral happened. And I can't believe that it happened to that team in that situation. I just still can't believe that it happened. And as the ball was flying up in the air, I just remember thinking, like, someone's going to intercept this. And then they did. And then the Mac Jones. It's just so crazy. But the Keelan Cole portion of it is critical. Yeah, Keelan Cole walked so that Chandler Jones could run. A really good sound bite. So the whole every entrance into Bite Fight time is going to be about that play in that moment. Next, man of the hour, Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones, um, here was his reaction, the star, on tearing up at the end of the game. Chandler Jones, get in the ring. Yeah, I definitely did get a little emotional. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool that you caught that. Uh, I teared up a little bit because I, I just love football. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the game. I love the sport. And uh, I think when I started to tear up, I think it had just hit me how big of the play I had made. And it didn't hit me yet, so I was like, you know what? Let me, let me take this moment for myself a little bit and, and uh, drop a few tears. Good for you. That's a beautiful moment. Um, listen, he did that. There's a lot of a lot of subtext there. This is a guy uh, certainly on the back nine of his career who took a big check to join the Raiders. Okay, the Raiders season has been disappointing. Uh, for most of the season, his personal production has been disappointing. They wanted these big sack numbers from him, haven't gotten them. The Raiders' season has, has not gone, been this sensational thing everyone thought. And then he's played against his old team. He knows those guys. He knows them well. He knows the whole organization. He's did some great things with that team. It's a lot. It's a lot. Plus, like, I think he knows that that was how special that play was. We took another run at it this morning, Good Morning Football, about saying, like, there's been some other jaw-dropping plays before, though. You know, the Minneapolis miracle was Stephon Diggs on the catch from, from Case Keenum on the sideline against the Saints. But that was football. He, he threw it deep, and the receiver made a grab, and the guy missed the tackle, and he ran in for the touchdown. This, like, that 
wasn't football what we saw. <laughs> no one does that. Tide starts laddling it and throws that lollipop to the linebacker. It just doesn't happen. That's not that that barely is, looks like the sport of football. So Chandler Jones was the star of it. He really was, and so he's getting teared up about it. And he will be. That's the most famous play he will ever make. Great career, celebrated career, made a lot of money. Famous guy, great athlete. That is the most memorable moment of his career ever. He will be talking about that career until the day that he dies. That moment. Um, so let's though, let's see if he'll win bite fight in addition to winning the game. We had Keelan Cole, we had Chandler Jones, and now one more Raider, Denzel Perryman, linebacker of the Raiders. He was asked, enter the ring. Denzel was asked, how did you celebrate the end of the game? I mean, honestly, I know they was all celebrating. I ran in here because I had to use the restroom. So if y'all really want to know, like, well, they was out there celebrating, I was in here peeing, so. I had a Forrest Gump moment. Are you serious? I've not seen that. I've not seen any of these. I had no idea he was going to say that. <laughs> so that was a great quote. The first half of it and the second half of it. So <laughs> you're getting ready to go to overtime. What was he going to do if they went to overtime? Denzel, the game should have for every reason on earth gone to an extra period. Would you have had to do it on the sidelines somewhere? Because it sounds like it was really an emergency. Instead, though, instead of going to overtime, it ends in the single most miraculous moment of this century and strangest play in the, in the NFL. Also, the greatest moment of this season for the Raiders. And as the entire stadium, roster, coaching staff, training staff is celebrating and in, in arms with, with their teammates and their brothers, he has to go to the bathroom? You can't hold it? I feel like I'm talking to my six-year-old. You can't hold it? We just left. We're, ten, we're 20 minutes away. No, I have to go. It's an emergency. Denzel, what? And a linebacker. Chandler Jones is one of your fellow linebackers. You couldn't run over there for a hug. Or, listen, I understand if you got a really full bladder, the, uh, the idea of, like, hugging and, like, jumping up and down like they do is probably just murder. I get it. But that's a once-in-a-lifetime celebration. Are you, I can't believe that. And then he says, I had to pull a Forrest Gump. Forrest is slamming Dr. Peppers. He lines up. Now this is, I believe, if I have it right, this is when he goes, because he goes to the White House many times. I think this is when he goes as an All-American football player from Alabama. And he gets to meet JFK. And JFK says, how's it feel to be an All-American? And Forrest says, I gotta go pee. And then JFK says, I believe he says he has to go pee. Um, so that is, a, that is a great call. It is a lot like that. It's like one of the biggest moments of your life. Not if you're Forrest, because he has a special life. But for most people, and that's what you say, you have to go to the bathroom that bad. I'm almost, I'm, I'm amused, but I'm also almost a little furious that Denzel Perryman excused himself to go to the bathroom. And also, let's just, let's put the cards on the table here. Is this a one or a two? What do your instincts say? I, I almost want to say two, because if it's a one, like, you got to be able to hold that. How long do you have to hold it if you're Denzel Perryman? From the end of the game, that lateral goes down, he takes off to the time you can celebrate, walk off the field, raise your hands with the fans, and then go, like, two and a half minutes, two minutes? You couldn't get two more minutes? That's an incredible thing that he did that. 52 guys streaking to the corner to celebrate with Chandler Jones and him being like, look, I know that it's the craziest play I've ever been involved with or will ever witness, but, like, when you got to go, you got to go. Oh my gosh, I feel bad for him now. Like you missed out on, this is why you lift all them weights. This is why you get into football.
You couldn't have held it. Now I'm mad again. I'm all over the place, but I know this. I'm certain about this. Denzel Perryman wins by fight in a runaway. I thought Keelan Cole was going to take it with his kind of loose, silly attitude about making the catch to set up the Chandler Jones. Keelan Cole. Bizarre. Hey, what'd you celebrate that? What'd you think? I don't know. I had to go pee like Forrest Gump. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? You had to? Just pee your pants in the huddle in the celebration. Just let it go. Who cares? Football players do that all the time. I've heard them talk about it. Just go. You can't miss that. Oh, man. That's bizarre. Let's get to uh, the segment that keeps me aware of all the headlines. My last name is Brant. So instead of brand awareness, we did a little play on words there. We call it Brant awareness. And if I had to go to the bathroom for Brant awareness, I would hold it. Michael Flynn, get in here. Come on. What do you make of that? Get in here with me. You, you know, I think Denzel is the worthy winner of that segment. I want to see, yeah. you, you know, on some post-game shows where you see the tunnel shot with the team, the victorious team running off the sure. field. I want to see that. I want to see Denzel because, you know, nobody else is coming through that tunnel for like 10 minutes. But I want to see the Denzel sprint to the restroom. That's yeah. what I want to say. You bring up a good point. I want the coaches tape or the all 22 of that play. And I want to see... Uh, roughly 70 to 80 people running to one corner and one linebacker waddling to the other corner. Because if you skip that celebration, it better be a 10 out of 10 crisis situation, not like a, I just really have to go, but like it's it's coming out. So you're right. If anybody has that tape, let's see if we can find it. And maybe it'll help us feel better about it. Because I'm all kinds of emotions about Denzel. But how should I feel about the headlines today, Flynn? Yeah, send it to us at KB Basement. Uh, we spoke last week about the state of quarterbacks in the NFC West. Matthew Stafford cleared up part of yeah. that on his wife Kelly's podcast the morning after. He flat out stated he would not be retiring after the season. Kyle, what do you make of it? Glad to hear it. In some ways, I'm conflicted because, well, I would have felt a lot differently about it yesterday before Baker Mayfield, you know, came up short against the, the Packers. Baker did all he could last night. It was they're highly limited with what they can do. And I don't know, I was just ready for this Baker Mayfield fairy tale where he wins four or five in a row in the season and becomes the Rams quarterback next year. But I'm also pleased because I, I, I was one of those people, and I've said it on this show, I've said it on a few other shows, that I have this suspicion that Matthew Stafford's going to retire. And Kelly Stafford brought that up. She says this is something that's out there and something that's out there because I've spoken about it, meaning herself. And I just looked at it. I'm like, all right, this is all the formula. He has a Super Bowl championship. He has tons of money, as far as we know. Um, he has respect. He has this beautiful family. What is he playing for again? Like, he's got everything he possibly needs. And, and added to that, scary injuries this year you start to hear back injuries head injuries like, all right M matthew why don't you just why don't you just get out of here i think i think i think you're just you're good and yet you're like he's he's like no i'm not retiring why would i i like playing i have a huge contract i'm gonna make a ton of money and i'm gonna win more football games and i'm healthy and i'm not that old and we got a guy who's 45 years old playing right now i'm not even close to that age so i like that i also like coming on the wife's podcast and saying it i wonder how often she asks him to be on it we were having a conversation off air that I think the most obnoxious, annoying question in all of media these days is, can you come on my podcast? We don't have very many guests here in Kyle Brandt's basement. Part of, them, part of the reason I think is there aren't any good guests. Part of the reason is I hate asking. So does she ask him and he's like, oh, yeah, not this week, babe. I got a lot to do. Or is it just you sit down and you do it? I don't know. I, I know if my wife had a podcast 
and it was about something that you know I did, I would probably do it a lot. My short answer is I'm glad Stafford's back. I wonder where this leaves Baker Mayfield, and it's probably the best that my wonderful wife does not have a podcast. How do you feel about that, Flynn? Sense for me that he would walk away because he's making his base salary this year, next year, million and a half. Not much in terms mm. of Matthew Stafford money. Year after that, base salaries for the following three years, 31 million, 27 million, 26 ah. million. I don't see how you walk away from that. Okay. Yeah, I hear that. Well, that's the same reason we've danced around this idea that Aaron Rodgers might retire. And he might just be like, I'm going to make 50 million bucks next year. What do you want? I mean, idiot. Of course, I'm not retiring. I'm going to do what I can. I'm coming back for the money. Um, but we'll see. I'm glad the staffer's going to be back. It's cool. This whole Rams season is so stupid and so bizarre and so ugly. Let's get the band back together one more time, including McVeigh, before the thing disbands. That's how I feel. Let's do it. Uh, Surprising news late yesterday afternoon when Adam Schefter reported that Jalen Hurts uncertain to play in Saturday's showdown in Dallas because of a sprained right shoulder he suffered in the third quarter of Sunday's win against the Bears. Kyle, what do you make of Hurts' injury? It just depends on the timeline. If he misses a week, I don't care. If he misses a couple weeks, I don't care. They're so good. There's they, Who cares about padding their record as long as they keep the one seed? Um, I just want them right for the playoffs. I want them to have the one. I want them right for the playoffs. And if he has to sit out for three weeks, fine, do it. Gardner Minshew's legit. Like they, He's going to come in and he's going to start chucking the hell out of it to those amazing receivers behind that great line. I, I've said this a lot about Jalen Hurts. He deserves credit for what he's done this year and getting into this record. But the roster is awesome. I mean, you, you, I think he put some other quarterbacks in that roster this year, and there's they, maybe they have three or four fewer wins, but they're still going to be good. It's, it's a Howie Roseman masterpiece. So if Jalen Hurts is banged up, fine. Sit him for a week. Sit him for two weeks. It's not the Eagles' obligation to put on some big show against the Cowboys. We're all excited to see that game, and it had a shot to be the highest-rated regular season game in history between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Who cares about that? That's not the Eagles' problem. The Eagles' problem is to win the Super Bowl. We all want to see Cowboys-Eagles on Christmas Eve. We all want to see Jalen versus Dak et al. But so what? So you're going to Gardner Minshew and his wacky act, and he throws it around. I'm only concerned about if it comes back a week now that actually is more serious than we thought, if, and then that could derail the whole thing. But this Eagles team is perfect. It's the first real adversity they've had to put up with, and it's almost Christmas. So they've been lucky as hell, and as long as he's not majorly screwed on injury, he should be all right. As the person who routinely pitches you MVP topics that you routinely shoot down because you hate talking Not MVP and, and declared an end to the conversation last week, uh, I think this news warrants a follow-up. Do you think in any way the outcome of this game could impact the MVP race? Meaning if they win, it proves that the Eagles are good enough to be juggernauts like the Cowboys without their quarterback, whereas yeah. if they lose, they don't have Jalen Hurts on the field. Yeah, well, it's a missed opportunity because if he if he put on a show against Dallas and, oh, my God, he threw for three and he ran for one, then it is his classic Heisman moments. It is Desmond Howard against Ohio State. You could do the Heisman in the end zone. The MVP is yours. I don't care what Mahomes does. It's a missed opportunity for him. So now maybe it does leave the door open. If he misses a game or two, maybe that's the one thing we get to leave the door open and Michael Flynn can pitch as many as MVP topics as he possibly wants to and everybody loves him and I'll just have to do them. Let's do him. Finally, uh, 49ers rookie defensive end Jake Jackson went viral with this video from the team's rookie dinner. It's an annual tradition among most teams that the rookies foot the bill for the rest of the team once a year. Yeah. This one was notable because the bill was $322,391.05. 
49ers veteran Eric Armstead took to Twitter to clear things up, saying it was a prank and the bill was closer to 7,500 and that he and a couple other veterans chipped in. Kyle, what do you make of this? And are you a prank guy? Not a big prank guy. I actually roll my eyes at it. Um, what I make of it is they went too far with it. You can't have the number be that high. What are they, it was 322000 They should have done it was like eighty grand or something like that. I, the itemized receipt said bone-in fillet, $60. How do you get to three hundred and twenty-two grand with $60? The only way to get up a bill that high is if, I guess if you just ask what is your most expensive liquor by far and then you ordered every single bottle they had of it, maybe you could get it that high. Um, I'll tell you my, more, my other take on this. I think that the rookie dinner thing is going to be a thing of the past very soon. I think it is going to be looked at as, um, and I'm not talking about the fake ones, I'm not the real ones, where they take a rookie and they say, oh, we're taking you out to dinner, rookie, and we'll run up this huge bill, and you're going to spend you know, $18,000 buying food for all of us. I think that is going to be looked at as tasteless and off base, and you know, everybody cites the statistics about how many players in the NFL go broke after retiring. Oh, so welcome to the NFL, and you just got this money now. The first thing you're going to do is give us our jollies by buying a bunch of expensive steak and wine that is way more than we need, and we're going to have a bunch of laughs about how much the bill is and how much money you've just wasted now that you've entered the league. But remember, be financially responsible. I I think it's stupid. I think it's old-fashioned, and I don't think it's that funny anymore, and I don't think that the pros should do it. I don't think they say, hey, the rookie, buy us dinner. Buy your own dinner. You're on your third contract, whoever you are. You buy your own dinner. I think that, and I think that the media and social media will agree with me that the next time one of these comes out that's real, it'll be like, I don't know why you're doing this. That's not funny anymore. I think it's going to be gone. We've seen this our whole life. This has been something since I was a little kid, and they would draft who the hell ever, Troy Aikman out of UCLA, and the Cowboys lineman would make him pay, ha, 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 and have a few laughs. I think it's going. And I, this is a scream at a cloud take. I don't care. I think it's happening. Flynn, your thoughts. I agree with you completely. I like when it goes the other way. I know it's a tradition in Major League Baseball if a veteran player who's had several big contracts in his career is on the AL, in, on the IL excuse me, and has to go down to the minors to make a rehab start, they will take the entire team out in favor of a very nice dinner. Uh, that's the only way I say, see these things going. This is going to be a thing of the past pretty soon. Good, because you know what? Like some guy ends up having a few injuries and he washes out of the league in three years. Next thing you know, like he's broke and he's pawning a Super Bowl ring. And he's like, man, only I had that 16,000 bucks I spent at that steakhouse. I might be able to get my life back together and pay my rent. I don't know, stupid. Um, we will never uh, do that in Kyle Brandt's basement. I wish we had like a big Christmas dinner we were going to. We will never have anybody pay. It's, it's not a thing. We're, we don't haze here in the basement. We don't do any of that stuff. Um, Flynn, it's great to see you. I'm not going to see... Uh, your background, I'm not sure I'm going to see it between now and Christmas Day. So how are the decorations looking? Give us one last little look of it because I love the kids, the stuff that your kids does. Let me see. The decorations are good. It, it's still, you've got the Santa cut out with the beard mm-hmm. and the cotton balls there. You've got the Halloween pumpkin that's still left over. Uh, this is the winter fox. You've got a penguin down there. I'm not sure if you can see it. Sure. Um, but yeah, in the new year, I think we're going to move away from the holidays and have more uh, are, are, they are pretty varied. I've got a freaking Halloween thing up, so we'll, 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 make, we'll make. If you look we'll closely, you still have a uh, a leprechaun's hat from St. Patrick's Day, and you guys keep them up there. I love it, uh, Flynn. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm gonna throw a dart. See you guys. Let's go to the sky cam. Let's do it. Let's wrap this up. We've laughed. We've cried. We're still not sure if that Chiefs fan is Robin Banks. 
but we are sure that the number today, as the thing falls off, that was, is that five or, yeah, it's five, number five. Give me a five. What's topic number five? Bring up the list. Sequel I wish was never made. Um, okay, sequel I wish I was never made. I was inappropriately young when I went to my dad's house in the 80s and I watched the first Terminator movie with Schwarzenegger and Michael Bean and Linda Hamilton. And I just, so young, made such an impression on me. I just loved it. I was so scared and like just so thrilled. But, and then obviously when I was about 12, I saw Terminator 2 and loved it like everybody else did. The subsequent Terminator movies hit, not even hit, miss high, miss low, for this reason, for that reason. There's one movie in that whole uh, franchise, I think it's the one that the Khaleesi is in, where it turns out that John Connor is a Terminator. <laughs> what, what the hell am I, am I watching? I... I, I, I was like, I saw it, I think, on a plane, and I'm when you watch a plane movie, you're sort of half-watching, and I, okay, this guy's John Connor, and it's the guy from Zero Dark Thirty, and all of a sudden, there's a scene in a parking garage where John Connor starts, like, his arm turns into a robot, and his face turns into a Terminator, and I, <laughs> I damn near spit out my ginger ale across the 23rd aisle. What are they doing? They've tried so hard with that franchise to be like, we're going to make it cool, we're going to try this, we're going to try that. And then I, I saw one recently where Linda Hamilton comes back and the original Schwarzenegger Terminator is still there and living a domestic life. It's fine, I guess. But that one where John Connor was a Terminator, I was like, I will turn this plane around. Are you out of your mind, you guys? You have defiled with this beautiful thing that James Cameron created. That's the worst one I've ever seen. Just terrible. Although I could say it's the sequel to the Rams Super Bowl season, which is the worst of that I've ever seen. Just awful. I don't know what the hell those guys are doing. I know they're all hurt, but before they were hurt, they sucked too. Thanks, guys, for joining us in the basement. We will be back tomorrow. All kinds of things to talk about on Wednesday. If you ever want to send us a tweet, send it at KB Basement, something you want to talk about, something you want to contribute. We love it. We like to enlist you. Until then, thank you for joining my basement. See yourself out and close the garage on your way out. Bye-bye.